welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. If you're working solo or have dreams of starting up, you'll find support, inspiration and advice at Australia's largest and liveliest small business community. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. Here's your host, Robert Gerrish. Hi and welcome to another Flying Solo Podcast. It's great to have you here. If you're listening via iTunes, please leave us a little review and don't forget we welcome comments and discussion on Facebook or via the page this show has on flyingsolo.com.au. Now let me introduce today's guest, Jo Scard, and tell you why she's so well placed to help us get out of trouble should we mess up on social media or anywhere else for that matter. Joe is the founder and principal of communications agency 50 Acres, named after her country property in New South Wales. Joe has played a unique role as a senior advisor in the Australian federal government for over a decade and has worked as a communications strategist in London, a TV political journalist in both Australia and the UK, and as a strategic advisor to countless corporates and not-for-profits across the globe. She's co-authored the best-selling book, The Working Mother's Survival Guide, and when not at her desk can be found happily potting around her farm or likely driving her children to horse events. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Robert. Good morning. Good morning. Well, look, you're certainly well-placed, I think, with all the work that you've done with uh, federal government and your not-for-profits, I think, for the uh, the small end of town, you must be able to help us. Should we kind of put a foot wrong? Should we do something perhaps that we regret, whether it's on social media or maybe a meeting or maybe a presentation? Um, I'm sure there's um, some behaviours that uh, that we should adopt. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, the best thing is to try to avoid doing it in the first place uh, but uh, dare we say we all must make mistakes and uh, the things that you can you can certainly do to try and rectify them uh, in hindsight. Mm. Now presumably in your role I mean I know that you've worked with say with with government on on both sides of the globe and um, in, indeed you started way before we even had this thing called social media um, so these do these kind of faux pas are these mistakes are they common is it something is there now, a, within government circles anyway, is there a sort of a procedure that people follow? Well, yes. I, you know, I, I, you know I, do, I did work prior to social media. You know, I worked when there were fax machines in offices and we actually had a typewriter. I'm not that old, but uh, <laughs> we did actually use something called a typewriter. Um, now they're in museums. But, um, y- yes, there are lots of things. And, you know, corporates or politicians always like having a sort of a manual or a, or a document to refer to about sure. how to deal with a problem. I find that those sorts of documents or strategies or plans are often misplaced because I think people think they've got a strategy or they've got a plan, therefore they're going to be okay. Mm. Um I think, quite frankly, you can never predict what the problem will be. It's always very different. And how people respond to a comment that was wrongly made or in, in error or an error of judgment is always diff- diff- different. You, we all know how fast um, social media in the world is moving these days. Mm. It's frenetic. And I think there's no real way of predicting how people are going to respond. I mean, if you, you know, let's move it back a few years ago when. Um, Julie Gillard challenged uh, Kevin Rudd. Uh, mm. It was the, the world was going to end. She was a terrible person, dare mm. I say, in brackets, woman. Yeah. Uh, and 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 what's happened this week? Well, mm. For the listeners, obviously, we're, we're doing this in the week that um, you know Malcolm Turnbull had challenged and taken over the role of prime minister. Yeah. Um, 
there is not the frenetic, freneticness of, of, of response as there were a few years ago. So things change, people's responses change. It's very human. Mm. And so I, I don't think you can ever have one little cookie-cutter response to a problem. I think it's, it, it's about the structure and it's about the innate um, intelligence, I think, of the people in the team who are working on what that response might be. And I think essentially taking a deep breath and going before we just you know, respond again and make it worse and dig ourselves into that hole even a little bit more deeply, we take a deep breath. You know, we, we sit around the table for five, ten minutes, whatever it takes, ten and a half an hour, mm. with a right whiteboard, a piece of paper and go, okay, what is the problem here? Uh, and what can we do to solve it? Yeah, and look, and I guess, you know, bearing in mind that we're talking primarily here to people like you and me, a, a, you know, a group of business owners where we don't have a great team. So that whiteboard might just be, you know, a blank sheet of paper and one person kind of working on it. But is that is that the starting point? Is we need to, do we need to sort of pause and just step back if only for a few moments and Absolutely. I mean, if yeah, you're okay. if you if you're running your own business and you've made an error of judgment, you've put something up out on social media, you've tweeted something, you know, you shot from the hip, uh, whatever it is, and you know, oh well, my goodness, I shouldn't have done that. Um, we all know you can't delete a tweet. Yes, you can delete it, but it's there. It's gone out. Someone yeah. could have taken a screenshot, or they have read it. Hmm. Quite frankly, so it's in there. It's there. Can't ever take it back. And so I think rather than just you know getting straight back on to social media and engaging in any sort of form of negativity or trying to turn it around with some sort of positive comments, take a moment and go, what do I really need to do now? Mm. Perhaps I should just see whether this actually will have an impact before I actually respond. I often um, advise clients who go, oh my goodness, I've got to do something here. I've got a problem. I therefore have to take very visible action. And I often will say, actually, don't do anything quite mm. yet. We may not have a problem. So I think the first thing I would say is breathe deeply. Yeah, be brave. Um, you know, think about what the ramifications might be and, and think about how you might respond. And we can get onto some details in a, in a yeah, sure. about how, Look, what, what the problem might be. But, yeah, think about it. There may not be a problem. So before yeah. you do anything, just see. Yeah. Look, that's a great piece of advice. And I must say that um, in our forums that we have at Flying Solo, it's so often the case that if something pops up there and somebody maybe says something rather damning of somebody else or criticizes something, and we very quickly sort of get into a huddle and think, okay, how are we going to respond? What should we respond? What's the right response here? And often just the process of sitting back and sort of thinking about a response is all the time it needs for someone else to jump in and actually, you know, another member of the community often and fix the whole thing for you, you know, and that's exactly. so true, I think, exactly. isn't it, within social media is that, is that you, as you say, your, your advice there to your um, sort of imaginary client there a moment ago is, hey, hang on a minute, maybe there isn't a problem. Let's just sit back and watch for a little bit. And then lo and mm. behold, you know, sometimes these things can fix themselves. So, but let's imagine we've That's got right. we've got one then that isn't quite as straightforward as that. And there's definitely something that's going a little bit off the rails. And maybe either through lack of understanding of actually how this social media vehicle works, or uh, just as you say, shooting from the hip a bit. What what should we do as a kind of first measure? Do you think if we've done something and clearly it's wrong, you know, it wasn't a good move. 
know, I think um, if you really know that you've done something wrong and it's, you know, you've, you've you know, uttered a profanity or um, you've really, you know, attacked someone's integrity and it, it was in error or, you know, you really regret what it is you've said. In, you know, you've made a professional error uh, uh. of judgment or a, or a personal one or emotional error of judgment. I think probably, um, you know, and you know it's wrong, you know, pausing's not going to make it right. right. So I think you do respond as quickly as you can and, and apologise, really. Come come up front. You know, like, you, like it's, a, it's a conversation. If you're in a conversation with someone and you just call someone, cow or whatever it is mm. and you know oh my goodness I shouldn't have said that what do you do yeah you know whether it's to your husband wife friend or colleague you say look I'm really sorry about that um, it's a pretty normal human response mm. and that's what you do I think you you jump and you say you know I apologize um, for what I've just said I think you know don't sound too sycophantic but but I think a straightforward apology um, really always can help considerably it might dissipate that response yeah and do should we always do you think do that um most definitely within the same sort of channel um where the problem occurred or should we switch like if we've said something on facebook that we regret uh to someone perhaps that we know should we publicly apologize or do we scrabble around and try and find a phone number and speak to the person i mean what what thoughts do you have there? look i mean I, I think you know look I, I engage with people a lot of people on social media that i don't know personally and you know the, the biggest attacks that i will get will be because it's, you know people look at my twitter handle and know that i'm in what's called government engagement a lot of people don't understand what that means government engagement or public Affairs. So people mm. will criticise me and think that I was working for Tony Abbott or whatever it is. I don't understand what I do. Yep. And so my, you know, rather than engaging in that negativity, I will say, you know, I will respond in a really positive way and go, thanks for your tweet, but actually, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, so just put, put a, a nice polite correction in there. Yeah, either a polite correction if someone's being negative to you or if you've been rude to them, you know, a, a positive direct Apology, I think, mm. is helpful. Very much I would stay in that same channel. There's no real point in broadcasting a whole range of channels. I mean, I've got no. about sort of 10, 15, 12,000 contacts if you take all my channels. Mm. Um, if I did something on Twitter, I've got 1,500 people on my personal Twitter and about the same on my company Twitter. Yep. I would probably stay to that, stay in that um, channel because there's not much point in me telling my LinkedIn contacts, which is about no. six or 7,000, sure. but I've just stuffed it, stuffed it up. <laughs> no, it's not something all... you want to publicize yeah, necessarily. exactly. And, yeah. you know, let's just wait until you do get the criticism and then go, you know, I, I'm, you know, repeat it there, repeat the, the apology there, the mea culpa, um, mm. and, um, and acknowledge that you've done wrong. Yeah, okay. And do you notice that, I mean, and, and to say you must observe this with your clients, does it happen at particular times of day? Does it tend to, does it happen after they've maybe had a couple of relaxing wines at the end of a day? Or does it happen when they have particularly stressful business issues going on? I mean, what are the sort of hot spots, do you think? I think, you know, if you think about, you know, when are you on social media, socially or for work, um, I think people do it in different times of the day, depending on who they are and what they do. I mean, if you're a working parent, you're probably not going to be on social media um, very actively when you're trying to feed your children and then get them into bed, reading stories, et cetera, et cetera, deal with homework. Mm. Um, but uh, if you're a you know, single-person professional, not married, whatever, you know, really you know, after work is probably a pretty 
you know, when you're sitting down, you're either watching television. A lot of people multitask these days. They're, yep. they're, they're looking, you, you know, you can't just be watching something on the television and be in the moment. You've got to be looking at social media as well. So, you know, I think a lot of people will, will multitask at that point and be sitting on, on their devices as they're sitting on the couch watching television. So I think in the evening is for that sort of real engagement, uh, you know, people are doing that. People, though, hop on to social media at any time of the day and, mm. Um, you know, it always amazes me that, you know, I get up, you know, I sometimes get up at 5.30 or 6 o'clock just because of the nature of what I do. Um, and there's been people tweeting in Australia in my time zone well before me. Right. Uh, so, you know, I don't think there is any real rule about when people are on or when they're off. Yes, no, okay. after, after drinking, yes, sometimes I think that when people get aggravated. But if they're... People who get a bugbear about something and just want to misread whatever you're doing or what what you've said, they're going to do that Mm. no matter what, you know. Um, And so I think uh, quite often, I mean, there are you know some people on social media that I have blocked. I would rather sort of send them a virtual hand grenade, but I can't, (laughs) uh, you know, or or say something to them. But rather than doing that, I, 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 it's a bit like putting the the tin cans out of reach for me mm. it, I don't want to have to engage with them or see yes, them okay. so I politely respond to them and go actually well you know sorry John mm. but you're wrong yeah. uh, but but have a great day yeah uh, that's and, a good that's a I, very good yeah, and, and then I and then I block them I put them out of my reach I put yeah. them out of my visibility they can't see me and I can't see them yes they're going to go around the world being nasty yeah. uh, that's not going to stop them but if they nasty to you all the time then how does that help you? Yeah, really, okay. not a lot. No, look, that's a great point, and it? so it's just ensuring that where there are likely um, sort of people, individual, or topics that might antagonise you, uh, rightly or wrongly, um, what you're saying there is just keep those keep those away. I mean, it's like having yeah. a you know a a neighbour that you don't get on with. You know, will just maybe don't look in that direction when you walk out of your house. You know, it's that. Look, it, it, it totally is, and mm. we know that Twitter has a, a, a multi, multiplicity of uses for a lot of people. It's a very much a professional um, you know, engagement tool at a high level. My husband, who's a journalist, really sources his, his, his news from Twitter, first and foremost, before he does anything else. Yeah. Um, so for a lot of people, it's a very reliable source of information. Mm. But then there are a lot of people, like any forms of social media, who really are trolling it. And, you know, there are people who, you know, hate, hate the Labour Party or they hate the Liberal Party or sure. they hate something. They're or they're, there you know, they're just, yeah. Yeah, they're there for a fight. Mm. Um, they may not be particularly knowledgeable people, but or they, they don't like people in PR or sure. they don't like people who do whatever. Um, and they've got a bug there. And mm. so if you're in part of that net that they're casting, you know, it's really, it's unfortunate, but that's where you are. So, you know, the healthiest thing is, you know, if someone, if you're seeing a crazy person in a room, they're not physically doing you any damage. What do you do? You walk away. Yeah, really. you're going to sit on the other person. side of the room. You do. It's not pleasant. It's not going to get you anywhere. So just walk away. Okay. If I can, let me just sort of back up a little bit and let me just sort of uh, um, use your your unique sort of knowledge um, within this area and just I'll just sort of see if I can translate it across to people listening who could be in any kind of business. So let's imagine that um, you're taking on, well, let's say a new not-for-profit, one that perhaps is working in a, in, a, in a sensitive space. So one that some people are clearly don't agree with what this not-for-profit does and some people do. So again, you know, we could probably 
think of an analogy in small business where someone's involved in, I don't know, an, an aspect of business that some people love and an aspect of business that some people hate. So there's, you know, parallels yeah. there. So if you are working with that, that new sort of not-for-profit, do you initially, do you kind of start off saying, okay, let's develop, uh, let's get clear on what you have opinions on and what you shouldn't perhaps express opinions on and let's have a strategy. I mean, do you develop and do you suggest that we as business owners get really clear on what we should and shouldn't get involved in, what we do and don't believe in? Should we do that at the outset of our business, do you think? I think so. I mean, i give you an example. I was, um, you know, I had a bunch of um, not-for-profit people in, in, in the building on Monday, this week when there was a challenge against um, Tony Abbott and they were doing a big organisation. They had 60 meetings organised and, you know, I briefed them the night before. There was leadership speculation and these people weren't, you know, very experienced in terms of political engagement and we just talked about some rules and we went, well, okay, what are some of the things you probably won't ask about? Um, well, you know, are you supporting Tony Abbott or Malcolm Turnbull? You right. know, those sorts of obvious questions. So, yes, you, you have to think about, you know, are there any skeletons in the closet? Is there yeah. anything that someone can expose you on? Um, you know, uh, for example, I mean, I have, you know, advised people who have come out to me and said, actually, I used to be involved with Scientology. Um, you know, sorry if there's any Scientologists listening in but but you know it's something that is perceived as sort of slightly interesting mm. and you know maybe not something to know, have on your linkedin profile yeah exactly mm. but perhaps sometimes the absence of that then you know if it comes out then it's you know people then question you know what are you what are you what are you doing who are you mm, okay. etc yeah. um so i'm not saying you know you put everything out there but but I think you've got to think about, you know, what the thing that always makes me skeptical when I look on LinkedIn is whenever anyone, anyone's just got their front job there and there's nothing else, and you know that they're 53 and mm-hmm. you've got to go, you've got to think yourself, they've got to be doing something earlier in their life. What are they hiding? Right. So, you know, I, I think you've got to think about how you publicly present yourself, whether that's on Twitter, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, or wherever it is on your mm-hmm. website. I think that that's part of because that is an online. Uh, you know, demonstration of you. So I think that's part of your social media presence and mistakes. So I think you can, you know, you can think about that. But yes, you've got to think, okay, what is there there out there that someone could, you know, unravel or unpick or peel away? Mm. So what is, what, what do you think about that? What have, you know, you know, what have you done on this? You've made a mistake there. You're involved with the startup that went, bankrupt or yeah, yeah. you're involved with something that didn't work properly or you were there's some implications of you being involved with some form of something that you know turned mm. into some sort of you know legal action or workplace issues or you know any of those sorts of things that are the business focused problems um which are on the public register sometimes you know records sometimes you know that stuff's just out there journalists yeah. can find or if they really want to sure uh stuff about you wherever they want Look. Oh, look, and I so, think, yeah, yeah, I think there's a great point you raise there as well is that, that whilst you might have interests that perhaps some people strongly uh, disagree with or, or don't support, or you may have hobbies or you may have history of, as you say, of a business that, that didn't work, you know, there is, it's, it's probably from what I'm hearing from you then, it's probably better that you actually confront those um, and address them openly rather than necessarily trying to kind of sweep them under the carpet and pretend you don't have those thoughts or you don't have those involvements or you don't have 
that kind of track record? Because I imagine you know, using the example you said of a business that that um, that didn't work. You know, in, yeah. in most cases, um, when a business doesn't work, there's a massive learning, and usually, in happily from research that's, that's been done, I know by the um, Productivity Commission and others, um, usually the learnings are positive learnings. You know, Absolutely. which may, may not may not become clear until a bit later. But that's the kind yeah. of thing I guess we can share is, hey, I did this business, it didn't work, but I learned X, Y, and Z as a consequence. Then Absolutely. You're, it's, yeah. it's a badge of, it's a ba- I think, you know, in terms of the startup entrepreneur, mm. social entrepreneur space, um, business failures really should be, in some respects, a badge of honour. Mm. But what's not a badge of honour is if you've mistreated employees mm. or if there's been some question mark about your payment to employees or some other legal action which was found against you. Now, that's, yeah. that's another that's that's a problem. Sure. But if you've just had a business that's not worked, mm. I don't think that's a problem at all. I think you just stand up and you go, you know, there's, you know look, at, look at Richard Branson, look at you know, the, the editor of the Renegade Collective magazine. They've all had lots of business failures and they mm. now are incredibly successful. Yep. So I think that's a badge of honour. But if you've done something wrong... Um, then, then that's something that you need to then think about. How do I talk about that? And how yep. do I acknowledge that it's uh, publicly? And there's always a way of acknowledging it. You've mm. just got to go. Yes, I was. Uh, you know, just say it was a workplace issue, and you mm. didn't underpaid staff, for example. You could say, yes, um, at the time I, I I didn't do what I was legally obliged to do. I I, I learned a very serious lesson there, and um, I've you know absolutely um, you know. Doing, doing everything by the book. Mm. Uh, you, know, you know, you come up with a film of words, um, but you don't over-agonise about it. You don't self-flagellate. You just go, I've learnt, yep. I've moved on, I'm doing it right. Yeah, so. okay. Look, I think that's very good. And again, I guess one of the key things here in business is, is, is and this goes back to, you know, different, uh, a different and a much sort of wider topic, well, another topic, is just being really clear who is it that you're trying to do business with, and what what are what are key, um, you know, what are important uh, considerations for those people, and making sure that okay, what as you said, I think that a few moments ago, that idea of, you know, what what skeletons have you got? If there are any, what could happen, and what will you do if they do? It's just it, so much of it is is uh, kind of pre-planning and forethought, isn't it? Rather than going, whoops, okay, here, I saw one recently, actually, a guy who, um, I won't mention, but has, has had a bit of a, um, a, a bleak background, and I just, I heard about it years ago, and then, wash, it all sort of flared up about two weeks ago, and you think, well, it didn't have to be like that. You know, no, it, that's right. it didn't have to be like that. Anyway, let's let's. I'll just. Yeah, I think I think I think on that point, people do sometimes suffer from verbal diarrhea when they, mm. because they don't have that that sort of skill of minimising what they're saying. So, you know, when I'm talking, like I'm talking to you now, I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going to swear, I'm not going to do certain things. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm I'm reasonably controlled, but I'm trying to be expressive. Um, some people don't have, they haven't ever had that training about how to speak to media or anyone else who's inquiring about what they've done wrong. And I think mm. you've just got to go, I'm not going to disgorge and tell everyone everything that's happened. Mm. Um, you've got to have, as I say, take that deep breath, write down a couple of points about what it is that happened, what have I done since mm. then to rectify the problem, 
you only need three sentences, three dot points, not even that. You need 50 words, 40 words, mm. um, and you stick to those points. You don't keep going, well, and then there was the other problem back in yeah. 1972. Yeah. You don't need to tell them everything because mm. journalists will keep you, they've got very good skill at keeping you talking. Mm. So you don't want to do that if you are being, um, mm. you know, you know cross-examined by a journalist you mm. want to keep to your story what about those people and again i'm thinking of another person i remember who was um oh, very heavily castigated on uh, media watch a while ago and um and I, I sort of watched the um how that played out over the next couple of days on twitter and the the response seemed to be to not respond at all but just to wait for the stream to kind of flow past that surely yeah. is not a good strategy is it what it is, I mean, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, I do some pro bono work for the McGrath Foundation and I've done, you know, given them strategic communications and lobbying advice over the years. Um, I didn't, uh, you know, step in when Glenn McGrath was um, involved with the, you know, elephant issue, elephant shooting issue, or, mm. the, or the, the animal, whatever they, whatever, I'm not sure who, what, which animal it was, but... Right. Um, but how they responded was he made an apology um, and then he lay low. Mm. Uh, and that was a deliberate strategy from him and the foundation and obviously his personal managers to do that. And and to some extent, you know, he's very high profile. Um, that sort of worked because really no one's talking about it anymore. Now that's not to say that no one will ever mention it again. They will. Mm. Um, but, but it is sometimes a hard one to manage. Um, you know, in some respects, if you've said something, then saying if that's all you're going to say, then that's probably enough. Mm, okay. um, you know, if you've made a statement. Yeah. Um, so at least say something Absolutely, yeah, something sure. rather than letting people fill that, that void because people will fill the void mm. and you don't want someone else to fill the void. You can fill the void with a statement which will get, you know, quoted, yep. but, but then if you don't, you know, engage in the banter, because you can imagine if you've said something and, you know, say something blown up, whatever it is, whatever, you know, out of proportion, um, you've been, you know, you're cross-examined by some of the some of the media, it's blown up, whatever it is that you've done, whatever it's happened. Um, mm. If you don't say anything at all, um, what's going to happen is banter back and forth on social media or other people will say something about you in the media. But if you've said something and you say, I um, apologise or that actually that's factually wrong or whatever it is, they've at least got some words from you that will be incorporated. Yeah. But what won't help, I don't think, is just sitting there responding to endless tweets. You know, no, people no. go, oh, you know... Joe, you're an idiot. Joe, you're a fool. Joe, you're this. If I just keep on responding, going, well, actually, you're the fool. You're the idiot. Like, what, all <laughs> that's going to happen is people will retweet, retweet, and that becomes an escalation of yes, a problem. Okay. So basically, there yeah. is there is a lot to be said sometimes for making a very clear statement, um, thinking about it. If you, if you're working by yourself, maybe it's um, having a quick conversation. Well, ideally with someone like yourself, but if if um, if that's not possible, then with at least a friend, someone who understands you, someone who can perhaps that's, help you put some words right. together, make that's a statement, right. and right. then and then maybe do lie low a little bit. Don't get drawn back into conversation is what you're saying. That's right, that's mm. right. I think it's, um, it's just about de-escalating rather than escalating. Yes. And tell me, it's finally then, I'm going to, I know you've got to shoot off to another meeting in a moment, but um, 
what do you uh, what's your kind of view of the the kind of the future of all this as you know working in the circles that you work in i'm particularly you know we, i'd love to talk to you about what went on this week at uh, at, at uh, government house but um, we won't go into that right now but what's your sort of view of where this is all leading i mean this is so so much now is about from a, a politician's point of view is the soundbite and the quick phrase the quick sharp retort I mean, is it just going to keep accelerating, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of um, speaking on this particular topic for the last year or, or two, and my theory has always been, particularly the last few years, you know, one of the things I always say is, you know, the first iPhone came on the market the year Kevin Rudd was elected, and um, most people listening to this will remember that year. Mm. <laughs> it's not that long ago. And we now all have these devices strapped to us. Mm. The first thing we do when we get up in the morning, it's the last thing we look at before we go to bed. We probably look at our iPhones, uh, have a more intimate relation with, relationship with it than we perhaps do with our closest loved ones. So, you know, it's, it, I think what's happened is it's not just these devices, but it's the enormity of the access to information that we now have. And so rather than, you know, when you're asked a question, rather than thinking about what the answer is, what, you know, we now do is we turn to Google for the answer. We don't mm. think. Um, and so I think we have this enormous access to information and what that's done, I think, is really changed the way government, not just here in Australia, but I think worldwide is in, in particular, obviously in Western democracies, is functioning. And we now have this real, you know, very, very, very quick use by date with mm. governments. And, you know, I think we've, you know, we can all have seen this week, I think there's been five prime ministers in, in a little over five years, um, or five, you know, five turnarounds as yep. prime minister. You know, I can remember, and I'm not that old, where, you know, when governments were elected, you know, three terms was very much the norm. We're mm. talking nine to ten years, mm. right? Um, you know, the same prime minister. Yeah, and you'd uh, kind you of know, settle and in and think, I'm going to really, really, going, really get to know this person. Yeah, I'll well, get to know them. Mm. I can campaign against them. I can size them up. I can know where they're going to go or I can mm. think I know where they're going to go. If I'm going to campaign against them. If I'm trying mm. to lobby them, I'm yep. going to know where they're going to go and where the ministry is. There'll be very few reshuffles, uh, you know, but people feel the need to refresh, you know, yeah. refresh their prime ministers, refresh their front bench. Uh, and I think it's the, the, the fact that we all have the ability to, you know, like and dislike and, 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 and engage with politicians, you know, online. You know, you mm. send a tweet to Malcolm Turnbull and you think that he might respond and he probably will. Mm. Um, he you might know, not now. Well, it may not, but he probably he probably will because yeah. he's that sort of fellow. But but you know, the, it's the enormous um, expectation I think from us as a as a as a group of people, mm. the community, uh, and the like. The the sort of counterbalance to that is politicians now know that there is an expectation that they will engage in whatever way that is, email, yeah. Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Um, so there's this sort of churn, huge churn of. of discourse which is not necessarily high quality at all it's very of the moment mm. and i think as a, as an impact of that we we now have you know public policy being made by you know Malcolm Turnbull doing a deal yeah. with the nationals to get elected um or whatever it is you know mm. you have you know there was 10 votes in 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 him being elected this week as prime minister rather than the 20 million australians voting for him yep. so it's a very different sort of churn but it it happens very fast and i think as a consequence 
um, we'll see public policy really, and we have, I have, I think we have done for some time, uh, really impacted by that. So I think it is mm. going to hamstring our public, you know, our decision makers um, from all sides of the parliament. Yeah. Um, and I think the other thing we will do is we will see um, the crossbench become our saviors. Actually, mm. in some respects, they are going to be the voices of reason because they've got nothing hanging, well, not as much hanging in the balance. You know, yeah. uh, you know, so people like Nick Xenophon mm. or, you know, any of those sorts of people in the Senate or, you know. Sure. So look, at what it sounds you know, like, yeah. what it sounds like yeah. to me is that what we need in, uh, in small business are increasingly is going to be um, to have some advisors alongside us as many of the, well, as all of the ministers have constantly whispering in their ears saying this has been said you need to say this you know it's sounding like yeah. um this is where we're all moving and i wonder how long it'll be before small businesses need to have um permanent social media advisors sitting alongside us but anyway hey well that's yeah i mean i think i think i mean that's an interesting point you make Robert. I, I don't think i never say to people that they need to spend money on stuff unless they don't read i think you know i think you can equip yourself with a lot of information just by getting across hmm. what's going on and there is a lot of people for providing that sort of information. Um, so I think probably reading more um, on current affairs uh, and uh, political coverage and also just some great websites like your own, um, uh, like, you know, some of the other small small and medium SME yeah. business websites. Read them. Have a look what they're saying. Yeah. They've been commenting on this Be stuff. Be clear on what your opinions um, are as well. Yeah, mm. yeah, absolutely. This stuff is not, you know, we're not, we're not brain surgeons. Um, mm. What we are is aware, I think it's probably mm. what I'd say. So people can become aware themselves. Fantastic. Well, look, Joe Scott, thank you so much for spending your time with us. And uh, I could talk to you all day, and I'm sure a number of our listeners would, would wish that I did. But uh, I will let you go at this point, and thank you very much for joining us. And uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and that maybe things will... Do you like things to slow down a little... Uh, government house this week or do you like the pace when it's this kind well, of a I week like, I, I like the pace but uh you know i i find politics fascinating i have done since i was about you know nine mm. um but uh i mean i you know yes you know you you sort of you know you you, you don't always want it to be this crazy um <laughs> but i do i do enjoy it but i do think there is a little bit of sad, sadness in, in what's going on i do think um we're looking at the fact that you know sort of, you know, one, you know, a politician seeing at a full term is going to be, you know, and, you know, uh, an, an amazing event. Me. Absolutely. Because I think there's an enormous pressure. Yeah. So um, I do find it fascinating. But All uh, right. well, let's leave. Uh, we'll let the pollies do that. And uh, we'll keep worrying about our businesses. But that's so indeed, good. Again, indeed, for, indeed, 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 thank you yes, very much. So thank for, you. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo and your host, Robert Gerrish. We'd love to receive feedback, even a brief review for those listening via iTunes. If you're planning to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, check out our bestseller, Flying Solo, How to Go It Alone in Business. It includes everything we know about working on your own. And of course, we invite you to dive into the resources and supportive community at flyingsolo.com.au. 